Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. My name is Marty Baker, and I'd like to welcome you to Stevens Creek Church. It's a it's a great day here at the creek. And if some of you are Eagles fans, don't worry, we're going to have a, a video from them in just in a few minutes. Hey, this excitement for this game has been building all week long, and it's very interesting how people get ready for the game. I mean, people wear jerseys, of course. They paint their faces. They do all kind of crazy things to try to uh, share their enthusiasm for their team. Now, funny thing I saw this past week is not only are people into this, but I saw a few churches have gotten into this. There's a Methodist church up in Philadelphia uh, that said, let's do a Bible quiz. Take a look at this. It said, how many verses in the Bible are about eagles and how many are about patriots? It says eagles 33, patriots 0. All the folks in Boston are not going to be undone by that. And so Crossroads uh, Church in Boston said, wait a minute. The Bible mentions eagles 33 times and the, the goat, which is the patriots, 42 times. So patriots win by nine. And so how many of you are eagles fans? Wave, wave at me today. Okay. There's a few of you. How many of you are Patriots fans? Let me see your hands. How many of you are Georgia fans? Uh, they're not even playing. <laughs> but you made it to the final four, and I honor you for that. I'll tell you that. Um, well, imagine this, that you're a coach. You're a coach in the Super Bowl, and it is the fourth quarter, and it's just a few minutes left in the game, and your team is on the 45-yard line. It's third down. You send your running back up the middle. He makes it. You think he makes the first down, but all of a sudden they said, now it's fourth down. And you say, wait a minute, I want a measurement here. So they bring the chains out and they say, just a little bit, fourth and inches. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you say, okay, we're going to go for it and we're going to press on through and you hope you get it? Or maybe you say, we're down by three, we can kick a field goal and we can tie it. Or maybe we just kick a punt and trust our defense. Our defense has been strong all year, year long. What do you do when it's fourth in inches? It's decision time. Well, for some of you, today is decision time. Because in your life, you've got to make some calls. You've got to make some decisions. And you pause as you look at your, your career, maybe you look at your family, you look at your, your spiritual life, and you try to assess the scenario. And you said, okay, should I go for it? It's only a few inches. But then you realize that that few inches could be the game. You calculate the inches, and it's actually only 18 inches. And what you've discovered is, that in my life and in your life, 18 inches is the difference between an average decision and a courageous decision. It could be the difference between an okay decision and a fantastic decision. It could be the difference between a decision that will not matter in five years or a decision that will matter in a thousand years. You see, 18 inches is about the distance between your head and your heart. It's the distance between the knowledge in your head and the will of your heart. That is 18 inches. 
could be the difference between being rightly related to God or not. Over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about a group of guys in the Bible whose lives were changed simply by, uh, by moving their faith from their head down to their heart. In Matthew chapter 4, we're introduced to uh, Peter and we're introduced to Andrew. And as they were preparing for a day's work, it was an ordinary day, but everything changed as they were getting ready to go to work when Jesus walked by. We pick it up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, Jesus said, oh, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Now this story is repeated again by another set of brothers. Two guys named James and John. What do we know about these guys? Apparently these guys had a reputation. Apparently they were loud and boisterous, but apparently uh, they were the center of the party because uh, the Bible says that they were known as the sons of thunder. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? How would you like to have that, that nickname, the, the sons of thunder? Well, here's their story. Verse 21, it says, going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother, John. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Now, notice that these four guys were not your typical first round draft picks. These guys uh, were not impressive. Uh, They didn't have a lot of followers. They didn't make a lot of money. They didn't have positions of power. They were fishermen. And probably working with the fish, they probably smelt like it all the way. But what we understand from this story is that God doesn't look on the outside, but God looks at the potential on the inside. He looks at your heart. You know, you, you don't have to look like Tom Brady or play football like Tom Brady to be used by God. It's interesting in this story, the Bible says that at once they left their nets and they decided to follow him. They made a decision. They made a decision that instantly changed their lives. And we see the story and we maybe scratch our heads and we say, why? Why would these guys, these four guys leave their careers, probably their family industry, because more than likely their parents and and grandparents uh, worked the seas and more than likely they're just following in the footsteps of those who had gone on before them. Why would they do that? Why would they abandon everything? Well, I say that there are probably at least three reasons that they would do make such a move. These guys quickly realized that Jesus had power to change their lives. No doubt that the, the message and, and the reputation of Jesus has started to spread throughout the community. They saw that when Jesus touched someone that they had a, a new attitude. It was like they had a new freedom. Why would one, someone want to follow Jesus? Here's the first one. You can fill in the blanks. Because without Jesus, you can never experience true 
freedom. Without Jesus, you can never experience true freedom. You see, Jesus came on the scene and he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the what? The good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim uh, captives uh, will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. And he came to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. So this message of freedom, it was something different than they had ever heard before. Because in their world and in their religious world specifically, they were bound by a lot of rules and regulations. It was about all those things that you cannot do. In fact, if you'll look closely in the Old Testament, you could count them up. There are 613 rules that they had to follow to be in right standing with God. And if they messed up, if they blew it, if they made a mistake, if they sinned, then they had to go through a process. They had to go through a process of cleansing, a process of forgiving receiving forgiveness. They had to go to the priest. They had to get a lamb. They had to uh, sacrifice that lamb on an altar and so forth. And Jesus came on the scene and he provided them a, a way to connect with God without having to jump through all the hoops, without having to do all the things that their tradition had imposed on them. They were free. Free to be the people that they were created to be. Uh, these guys heard this message And when they heard this message, it revolutionized their thinking and they changed their direction uh, that they were going and they changed and moved into a new direction. Now, the Bible has a word for that. That change is called repentance. That you're going in one direction, you change, that's called, called conversion. So you turn and you walk in a new direction and that's called repentance. And so these guys just changed the way they were thinking and changed the way they were living. And they started following Christ. Well, these men, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they went in this new direction. And this new direction gave them a new way of looking at life. But also, secondly, they discovered a new power for living. Here's the point. A life with Jesus gives you both peace and it gives you power. Jesus promised them that you will have power along the way. When he spoke about the kingdom of God, he was teaching about God's power. He was teaching about about a spiritual energy that would be released inside of you. And Jesus said, you can have this power, God's power living inside of you. In fact, he called it with these words, he called it the kingdom of God. He looked at a group of people in Luke chapter 17. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So many times we think about the kingdom of God and we think about it in terms of being out there. But Jesus said, no, it's in here. Well, what is the kingdom of God? What is that? What does that mean? We know it's the rulership and it's the reign of God. But, but what is what? Let's take it down a little bit deeper What does that mean to you and what does it mean to me to have the kingdom of God living in us? Paul unpacks this in Romans 14 when he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of of eating and drinking. In other words, it's not a matter of keeping all the rules, all the dietary rules that they had to keep in those days. He said, that's not the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. We notice those, those words, righteousness. And we know that 
what we see in this verse that God is going to give you this power, this energy to live in right standing with God. You'll have his spirit living inside of you and he will determine that you are okay. You are in right standing with God. So the kingdom of God says, hey, we can be in right standing with God. We can have righteousness. But then it says you can have peace. You can have peace. That means you can have peace with God and then you can have the peace of God. The peace of God. I think that's what most of us really want, isn't it? We're searching for this inner calmness, this inner peace. And what we've discovered is that you can't find peace in a bottle. You can't find peace uh, in a drink. You can't find peace in a drug. For real peace, lasting peace comes only from the prince of peace. And that is God himself. Real peace comes from God. He said, you'll have righteousness, you'll be in right standing, you'll have peace, but then you'll have joy. Now, what is this joy thing? We know about happiness, but we also know happiness can be fleeting. You know, you're happy one moment, then your situation changed, the happenings around you change, and then you're not happy. How is joy different? You see, joy is that emotion that is acquired by an anticipation or expectation that there's going to be something good ahead, that there's going to be something wonderful just ahead. It's not based on your current happenings, your current situation, your circumstances. It's based on the fact that God is working things out to those who follow him. He is working things out to bring something good out of that situation. And so when you are going through a difficult situation, but yet you know that God is living on the inside of you, you have that confidence that God's going to turn it around. God's going to bring something good. This is bad. It is painful. It is difficult. Uh, But God is going to put his hand on it and bring something out of it. And you look forward to that um, and it gives you a joy. And so he said, when the kingdom of God comes, you're going to have righteousness. You're going to be in right standing. You're going to have this inner peace, but you're going to have this joy because the Holy Spirit is going to live in you. Now, Jesus called these men to follow him. He promised that their sins could be forgiven and they could be filled with this power and, and they could be a part of an adventure. Here's the third thing. There's no greater adventure than a life surrendered to Jesus. There's no greater adventure than a life surrendered to Jesus. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, Jesus said, hey, come, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These guys were given an opportunity not only to have their personal lives changed, but these guys were given an opportunity to be a part of a great adventure. You see, God had a plan for their lives, just like God has a plan for your life. These guys, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were called to be a part of a movement that would ultimately change their community, ultimately change their their region, and change the world. Now, they didn't know what they were getting into. They were just four fishermen. They were four fishermen that made this decision to follow uh, Christ, and they traded in their nets for a grander vision. And they didn't have a clue of what that grander vision looked like, but they trusted that God would lead them to the paths that they should walk on. You know, sometimes God calls us to step out. And sometimes as we call, we're called or prompted to take that step, and it's a step of faith, it is scary and it is risky. 
But it's in the stepping out. It is in the going that we um, discover his power and that we discover his strength. And it's in the going that we learn what it means to trust him. That's what it's like when you follow Jesus, that we learn to trust God every day. And it's truly an adventure because here's the point. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you know who holds tomorrow. It's very honest. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm telling you today that I know who holds tomorrow, your tomorrow, and he holds it in the palm of his hands. And life may be scary for you. It may be challenging for you. And you may be um, facing a lot of different decisions in your life. And you're worried about that. And I would just say simply to you to put your trust and put your confidence in the Lord. And he will lead you and he will guide you through this season that you're going through. It may not be easy. You may have some setbacks along the way. But God will get you through. Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz was having an incredible season. But in one instant, everything changed for him. Let's listen to the story from the the Eagles players. It's just authentic community. You know, guys are, are talking about their struggles. Guys are talking about the things that they're working through, the things that, you know, are, are going well in their lives, the things that are, you know, difficulties, whatever it might be. You know, the biggest thing about the guys in the locker room is that uh, there's a bunch of unselfish players. You know, it's a really you know, tight-knit group. It's really what a team should be. These are guys that not only love me as a player, but encourage me more so off the field to stay true to the word. Um, to be in the Word, to consistently seek growth. My relationship with God is the only reason why I'm playing football. Every time I'm out in the field, um, I'm not trying to bring my name glory. I'm trying to bring God's name glory because He's the one who's given me the opportunity and um, you know, really paved the way for you know me to be here in this position I'm in now. When I'm focused on Him, everything else can be scattered. Everything else can be hectic, and I'm at peace and I'm level. And um, you know, I think ultimately that's the love and the grace and the beauty of, of Christ and having a true relationship with him. My relationship with Jesus is second to none. Last year um, was the first year that I truly dedicated my life to Christ. I got baptized in March and with Jesus in my life, I know exactly who and why I'm playing this game. This team really has become um, a brotherhood that has actually even gone even into the coaches and the players. They truly are a family. Carson went down, it was obviously tough for the team. Um, a guy that was pretty much the rock of the team. And when he got hurt, everyone was extremely devastated. We were obviously playing uh, extremely well. You know, we were on pace to go in the NFC East. We were just really clicking. Offensively, we've been playing really well throughout the game. I almost felt like I was playing as fast and as, like, just carefree in a good way. Just, like, I felt like I was in total control out there and potentially, like, had to feel for the game that I probably hadn't had on that level yet. Um, I just felt this probably as good as ever. And uh, I scrambled around and dove in and didn't think much of it. 
And I started standing up, and I realized, okay, my leg, my left leg, something's wrong. Every time I stepped, I just I could not put pressure on. I could barely walk. And so I stayed in there for four more plays. Two of them were runs, and I caught the ball, handed it off. I usually carry out my fake and do everything, and that wasn't happening. And then he called a pass, and I'm like, okay, I got to get the ball out. Um, I can't stand here very long. And threw it. It was incomplete. I just turned and put my head down and started walking off. I'm thinking third down. And the coach was like, no, 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 go back out there. Fourth down, we're going for it. I'm like, all right, here we go. As I'm like struggling just to walk back to the huddle. And I was just like, okay, well, I hope they, um, my first read's open. I'm like, something's got to happen. Of course not. Um, I just stood in there, stood in there. Someone finally started breaking through the line, and I just kind of threw it in the direction of Alshon and Nelly. Like, and it was all—it was all a gift from God that that was completed for a touchdown. And usually, I'm running in there to celebrate and have fun with my guys, and I just said, "Okay, cool." And I walked straight to the train. I'm like, "We need to go in that tent. Something's wrong." And uh, I just remember saying, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus!" Like over and over, like, "I need you, I need you." Trainers were looking at it, doing their tests, and I honestly wasn't even really paying attention to their tests. I was just laying back, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus," because He's the only one that can make it better, and He's the only one that can provide me peace. And at the same time, I'm like, "Your will," because I knew I needed Him emotionally, physically, um, kind of everything in that moment. Woke up and from the surgery and felt okay. And then the next day came and I felt miserable. It was one of the worst days of my life because I just I couldn't even sleep. Like there was just so much pain and you never think you're going to be that guy. Um, and I'm just like, well, this is me now. I am that guy. This is reality for me. And how am I going to come back from it? To know like all the pain I'm going through. And to think of what Jesus went through for me, it made me recognize a deeper level of love than I think I ever have really felt in a long time. It's always easy to say he's in control of everything, but the more I recognize, like, I need him in literally every moment of every situation when I can't even walk and do things, um, the more I realize, like, he's got everything in the palm of his hand. You just have to know and be comfortable knowing that this is exactly where God has us. We know that he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't pace back and forth. He's seated on the throne. He knows that this is exactly where we need to be. Just this whole season, you know, guys have stepped up, backups have stepped up, guys have prepared like they were going to be the starter you know, going into that game, even though they weren't, and um, they are just ready for their, their number to be called. I think that's what's made this year so amazing is how this entire team, players, coach, staff, secretaries, just coming together for this common cause uh, of family. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you didn't know what to do and you didn't know what to say? I've been there and I've found myself saying just... Like Carson, Jesus, Jesus. And maybe some of you are there today. You feel like that you are in a place where the future looks cloudy. You're confused about life. And that there's an emptiness inside. I'm telling you, you don't have to continue to live like that. There's a power that's greater than yourself. It's the power of the Lord. And if we will call out to him and invite Jesus to be in our lives, to be the leader of our lives, 
He will take us into a new direction. A direction with hope. A direction with peace. A direction that we walk in the paths of righteousness. He's calling us today. He's calling. Will you come? But it's your decision. You've got to make a decision. You've got to decide and are you going to go for it? Yes, it's fourth and inches. And you've got to move the 18 inches from your head down to your heart. This is not about an intellectual uh, knowledge, but it's about having Jesus living inside of you. It's about experiencing the life of Jesus. A lot of you have a lot of knowledge about him. You know the stories of Christmas and you know the stories of Easter. And you uh, even know some of the Bible uh, verses. But it's all in your thoughts. It's all in, in your mind. Today I'm asking you to let him come into your heart. You say, Marty, how does that happen? Just pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. Well, prayer is simple, and I'm going to help you walk through that. But it could be as simple as saying, help me. Oh, help me. I pray that prayer a lot. God, help me. God, save me. You ever prayed that prayer? God, heal me. It's when you get all the pretense and all that stuff out, and it's just you. You and the Lord. It's, it's just you. It's not doing it because somebody else or trying to be a whatever. It's just you and God, and it's you crying out, God, I need help today. I need Jesus to save me, to guide me. Well, I'm going to let you do that. And we're going to pray together, and I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to also lead you in a prayer. And I just want out of the tenderness of your heart to call on him. And the Bible says when we do that, He'll respond. He'll answer us. And today, I believe that all of our lives can be changed when we come to the place where we surrender or submit to Jesus. Now, submission, this is what that means. Submission is an invitation for someone else to lead. So you're just saying, Jesus, be the leader of my life. So you ready? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so very much for this moment that we have. I thank you for those that in this auditorium, those watching online. And I pray that your presence and your spirit would speak individually to each one of us. And Lord, I know that there are a number of people here that this is their first Sunday or this is the day that you've just really prompted them to take their next step in faith. And so as they... Get these words out. I ask God that you would just touch their heart and change them. I want you to pray with me. Just, just say this. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Just say that. Come into my life. Say this. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this line. Say, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. Be the leader of my life. Fill me with your presence. I receive that in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray not only for those that are making decisions to follow you, but I'm praying for those that are rededicating their lives today. God, I ask that you would touch them and that you'd give them the strength 
And Father, we speak life over this audience. We speak hope. We speak peace. To those of you that are struggling with your, uh, your family, I speak peace over your relationships. To those of you that are struggling to make ends meet, I ask you, God, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Father, I pray that you would give us a sense of purpose, your purpose for our lives. And we truly submit and surrender to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.